Hi, and thanks for checking out our City Reach Philly podcast from wherever you are listening. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning. God bless you. You may be seated. It wasn't too long ago that I was in a fire, in a spiritual fire, but different than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were thrown into the fire. I walked into that fire, eyes wide open. And there have been many of you here who blessed me and said, I love the way you talk. I wish I could pray the way you pray. But I tell you what, when I was standing in that fire, my words failed me. And the best I could come up with was, God, please don't leave me. And Judy's my witness, because while I was in that fire, sisters who had no idea what I was going through began to pour into me. We already had relationships such that their spirit knew that my spirit was in need. And these sisters started praying into me. Anne, Judy, Crystal, Meg, Janine. And I told Judy, I don't know if you remember. I said, when I get out of this, the devil doesn't know what he's done. Because when I get out of this, there are going to be no caps on what I do for his kingdom. When I get out of this, it's not going to be Yvette standing behind a podium reading the words that God gave her. I'm stepping out from behind the podium because the devil doesn't know that what he got rid of was my fear. And I thank God and I praise God that I'm out of it. And I thank God and I praise God that this morning what you've heard is confirmation of the word he's already given me. One, in breakthrough. Two, in the chains that he will make fall. And three, you heard Noli say, if you knew my story, you would know why I'm here singing about breakthrough, why I'm here looking for a breakthrough, and why I'm here praising God for breakthrough. You ready? So the world says that I was born unqualified. There I was, little itty bitty Evie, born on October 31st, 19, none of your business. And the world said I was unqualified, but I was a baby. How could I be unqualified? Dag, right? Well, the world says that the zip code you're born into has a lot to do with your life outcomes. Where you're born, if you're born into a zip code of high poverty, the likelihood is that you will live 10 to 20 years less. You are unqualified from living a long life. You are also unqualified from living a healthy life. If you're born in a zip code with high poverty, you struggle with chronic disease, asthma, heart disease, diabetes. Statistics also say that if you're born into a family struggling with addiction, you are most likely to become an addict yourself. 
And so there I was, born unqualified. I was born the only daughter and last child of my parents' six children. My mother was an alcoholic who told me that she drank pints of Bacardi while she was pregnant with me. My father was a drug addict who shared needles with his sons, but I kept walking. When I was 10, my mother's liver said, I can't take one more 40, and it gave out, and my mother died. At my mother's funeral, my father came in, took off his hat, and knelt before her coffin and said, No te preocupes, negra, que en entre un año yo voy a estar contigo. Don't worry, baby. Within one year, I'll be with you. One year and 12 days later, my father died of AIDS. And let me tell you about AIDS back then. Nobody knew what it was. Nobody wanted to catch it, and nobody knew how you got it. And so AIDS back then meant that when I went to go see my father dying in the hospital bed, I had to wear a full gown and a hat and gloves, and I couldn't go kiss my father goodbye because he had AIDS, and everybody was worried about how you caught it. But I kept walking. And so my parents died. I bounced around from house to house, from school to school. By the time I graduated 12th grade, I had gone through seven schools. But still, I kept walking, and I was the first and only one of my parents' children to graduate from high school. If you see God in my story, I'm going to need you to praise him. When you see God in my story, I'm going to need you to praise him. And if you're sitting there and you're not receiving, then you should be sitting there and you should be giving. Because there are people sitting in these seats who are receiving something from the Holy Spirit. And if that's not you, then I need you to give. And I need you to fight. Because when people are receiving from the Holy Spirit, there's going to be an enemy who's attacking them and lying into their ear. And so if you're not the one receiving, then you need to be the one giving, giving your praise and helping your brothers and sisters fight. And so I graduated from high school and I kept walking and I walked right into college. And I went into Temple University, a virgin. And I was the first Latina editor-in-chief of Temple News. And I made Dean's List six semesters in a row. And I graduated cum laude. And I went into Temple, a virgin, and I graduated seven months pregnant. But I kept walking. And so I walked into an unhappy marriage, an emotionally and verbally abusive marriage. And then that one night, when shoving and pushing here and there became something more, and then I really kept walking. And so I kept walking. And I was a single mother with two beautiful children, successful professionally, leadership positions, I was walking. And so eventually I met someone. I fell in love. I became pregnant. Three months pregnant, I started hemorrhaging. And it was late. And 
I began to cry out, God, please save my baby. I called the doctor on call, and she said, don't worry. Sometimes women bleed. It doesn't harm the baby. Just get some rest and come in in the morning. I went into the doctor the next morning to my doctor. She listened for a heartbeat, and my baby's heartbeat was strong. And she said, the doctor on call told me that you had a miscarriage last night. She didn't tell me that last night. She told the doctor, Yvette had a miscarriage last night. So my doctor said, I wasn't expecting a heartbeat. And to be honest, the evidence I saw said that I was having a miscarriage. But I prayed that night to a God that I once knew. And I wholly believe that in faith, my baby was restored. And so I kept walking. I was on bed rest because I was bleeding. And I got a call. Chino's missing. My brother Chino was diagnosed with cancer just a few weeks earlier. And he was staying with my brother and he was doing a little radiation and he was on medication. They got into a fight, he left. No one had seen him in a few days. Well, I was on bed rest and I couldn't get up and I couldn't go look for him. But let me tell you about Chino. With an alcoholic mother and a drug addicted father, somebody had to protect me. And that was my brother Chino. My brother Chino, even though he was in and out of jail, would send me quizzes from jail. There's a woman here, I love you, I'm not gonna call you out by name, who told me, sister, I love you. I used to think you were stuck up because of how you speak. Let me tell you, Chino is why I speak the way I speak and I will never be sorry about that. <laughs> Going in and out of jail, my brother who was brilliant, who didn't graduate from high school but got his GD and had the highest score in all of Newark, New Jersey, was in and out of jail, um, struggling with addiction. When I needed to eat and there was no food in the fridge, Chino would dig in the cushions and find pennies because I'm old enough that back in the day, pennies cost, I mean, candies cost a penny. And so Chino would go to the store and come back with 12 Charleston chews, and that's what I would eat. And so Chino was the kind of uncle who always had candy for all of his nieces and nephews, and he would give them candy before dinner. And so Chino was missing. And so I wasn't okay with that, but I couldn't get up and run to find him. And so I called my brother and I said, it was raining and it was cold and I didn't want him to be alone wherever he was, knowing that he had just been diagnosed with cancer a few weeks earlier. Please go find him. And I don't know if any of you have families that have struggled with addiction, but there comes a point where you just get fed up with people's stuff, right? And so my brother at that time, I could tell he was fed up with Chino's stuff. Like he didn't wanna go find him. He said, I'll go tomorrow. This is Chino being Chino. And so the next morning, my two of my brothers went to go look for Chino. And I got the call that they found him in an abandoned shed. And Chino was dead. And so I got up and I went to the hospital and I looked at my brother's body and it didn't look like Chino. 
I collapsed on my brother's body. Because even without a mother and father, I still had Chino speaking life into me and believing in me. And then I went to the shed where he spent his last days. And guess what I found? I found candy. <laughs> he had so much candy. Because if you don't have money to eat, candy can fill you up. But I also found a few bottles of green Gatorade that he used to mix with his methadone. And between the Pantene medication and the radiation and no T cells left, Chino died of an accidental overdose. I said Chino didn't have any T cells left. Let me remind you that my father was an addict who died of AIDS and shared needles with his son. But I kept walking. And so I had my beautiful baby boy. The relationship ended. It picked back up again. And then I had my other beautiful baby boy. And after a lot of starts and stops, the relationship finally ended, and I kept walking. And a lot of time passed. Professional success. I'm the first Latina executive in my job in its 200-plus year history. And so I was walking. I found a church where I could go. I was good. I was leading reach groups. I was good. I was leading a reach group on the armor of God. And I got a call from another brother. And he said that our oldest brother had been struggling with some pain for a month or so and was refusing to go to the doctor. And so basically what my brother was doing was he was snitching. He was like, I'm going to tell Yvette that you're not going to the doctor. And so he called me and told me, and I got on the phone with my brother, and he was worried because he was raising his autistic daughter by himself. And he was worried that if he went to the hospital and they kept him, there would be no one to take care of his daughter. So I said, we will take care of that. Go to the hospital now. He listened, even though he's my oldest brother. He listened to me, and he went. Hours passed. I get a frantic call back from the brother who snitched the first part. He said, Yvette, the hospital sent police officers to his house to get him to go back to the hospital. He signed out against medical advice. And Yvette, after the police officers left, they sent social workers to his house to try and get him to come back to the hospital. And Yvette, if they send four people to the house to get him to go back to the hospital, it must be bad. And so I got on the phone with my brother who checked himself out of the hospital. He said, I'm not going anywhere until my daughter is okay. I said, we'll take care of it. That next morning, remember I had six of us, one brother passed away. That next morning, five of us walked into the hospital with my brother. And we took care of his daughter. We walked into the hospital. He had stage, beyond stage five, liver and lung cancer. Three weeks later, I saw my brother take his last breath. He died of stage five liver and lung cancer. But he too shared needles with my father. And so 
I kept walking. That summer, last summer, I was diagnosed with vitiligo. <laughs> My heart grew to love someone new, but it didn't work out. And I said, God, what was that for? And he said, trust me, even if you don't understand. And so I kept walking. But I was walking a lot slower now, to be honest. And when people asked me, when people close to me asked me how I was doing, I said, I'm tired. There's a graphic on social media that says, I'm a strong woman, but I'm tired. And I was tired. I was tired of being alone. I was tired of all the pain I was carrying. I was tired of my story. Because there are people who have good stories. Their stories don't look like all that. And I was tired. And I don't know if Jessica Narvaez is in the house, but a lot of moms go into the shower to cry because we don't want our kids to hear us. And so I found myself in the shower crying to God because I was so tired. And I was crying the most pitiful cry that a grown woman should be crying in the shower. And it was pitiful. Why? But why? I just want a break. I just want some good. Why? But why are these people and those people? Why me? And the Holy Spirit told me to get up. And he said, get up so we can watch this together. Because I was playing the reel of my life. I was playing my story over and over again. And the way I was playing it had me in a pile in tears. And so the Holy Spirit said, the world says you were born unqualified. But what I said came before you were born. For my word says, that I knew you when you were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. And so the world says you were unqualified, but in my name, you kept walking. You buried your parents and your brothers. Your mother promised me that if I gave her a daughter, she would stop drinking. Your mother didn't keep her word, but I keep my promises. And so in my name, you kept walking. You have suffered, you have struggled, you have witnessed poverty, addiction, and death. You have seen demons in the eye, and you were unafraid. You have suffered, but in my name, you kept walking. In my identity, you kept walking. And so I think there are some people here who are still walking in who the world says they are and not in who God says they are. But the God of the Bible, the God of biblical transformation is here today. He's here in City Reach today. The God that you read about, the God that you hear about, the God that I'm talking about is here right now. The God that I'm talking about is looking for you, and he wants you to see that story just a little differently. The God of Judy is here. 
He transforms the world's rejection into heavenly assignment. The God of Megan is here. He turns, I've had enough, to more than enough. He is a God of provision. Ladies, single ladies, the God of Ruth is here. The God of Hannah is here. The God who fills your empty jars is here. But will you go get your jars? Will you go knock on your neighbor's door so they know your jars are empty? Will you go get those jars so that he can fill them? He's the God of Santos and Jenny, of Jarlin and Santos. He sent the smallest angel to bring an entire family into his glory. The God of biblical yesterdays is the God of the living and breathing testimonies here today. But we have to walk. And there are things that trip us. There are things that threaten our very ability to walk. Some of those things are our own choices. But others are generational. Others are communal. They are things we didn't do, but things done in the family and community where we stand. Pastor spoke some time ago about the redwood forests, how those are some of the oldest, tallest, widest trees in the world. He spoke of their root system. Does anyone remember this? He talked about their roots and how they don't go deep into the ground. They actually go wide. They spread wide. And guess what? They connect to the other roots of the redwood trees so that even when that redwood tree tree, if that redwood tree is dying, the roots of the other healthy trees hold that tree up. They link to each other's roots. In this healthy relationship, they can hold on to each other in their time of trouble. One of the best examples for me in the Bible of this is the men who carried the paralyzed man in through the roof to see Jesus. Do you know that story? First of all, if reach group if reach groups are how we do life, that squad that carried him into the roof was a reach group. Shout out to all the reach group facilitators leading this summer. But second of all, it blows my mind when scripture says that when Jesus saw their faith, the man's sins were forgiven and he was healed. Not just the man's faith. When he saw the squad's faith, he was healed and forgiven. Your squad's faith can heal you. But if your squad's faith can heal you, then their lack of faith can also break you. This root system that Pastor talked about, this fail-safe, was created by who? By our master creator. But God gave me a visual to show me that what's happening in my life and in our communities and even in our churches is that the master imitator has created a system of his own. The enemy system wasn't created to keep us strong and upright in our time of trouble, but instead to keep us weak and make us fall. Instead of roots to keep us together in healthy relationship, he uses chains. And I want to talk to you about this vision that God gave me using the redwood root system about the chains of addiction. You heard a lot of that in my own story. I'm going to ask Judy and Megan, can you come up here and be my assistants? There are chains in our families and in our communities that imitate healthy root systems in such a way that create confusion. 
You understand what I'm saying? Our own healthy roots, just like the redwood trees, are reaching out to connect to the healthy roots in our system, to our family, to our churches, family Miss Sedeman, to our community. And so when we are surrounded by healthy roots, we are strong and we are good, right? But here's the confusion that the enemy sets in. When he throws chains around the people that you surround yourself with. They're not my chains, but she's in my root system. And so now my healthy roots that are reaching out to other healthy roots, they get confused and they start to connect to these chains. And they start to rub up against these chains and these chains start to cut into my healthy roots. And so sometimes we just keep walking, just walking. Walk in your chain, girl. Walk in your chain. It's just an example. <laughs> so we walk in our chains, right? And I'm walking with my sister, but this, these chains are going to make us walk a lot slower, and we're not going to get as far as we're supposed to get when we're carrying those chains with us. So sometimes, remember I said earlier, sometimes we deal with people who have so much mess that we just get fed up. So sometimes we're just like, I'm not dealing with you and your chains. I'm going to be over here with my family, and I'm not dealing with any of that. But in isolation, our healthy roots suffocate. They don't get the healthy water and the nutrients that they need because we are meant to live life in community. We are all part of one body. And so what we need, thank you, ladies. And so what we need, is 2 Timothy 2.26. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Chains hold you captive. So what happens when I try to walk? I get tangled in my sister's chain. In my life story, it would be my parents' chains or my brother's chains. And though I've never struggled with drug or alcohol addiction, my story always begins with addiction. Those chains have shaped my own roots. My healthy roots try to work their way through those chains and still stay strong. The chains of those around us begin to rub us and affect us and change the makeup of our own roots. And so what do we do? We walk with chains long enough that they become our own. Right? In the earlier statistics, some of us are born into families dealing with addiction, and we become addicts ourselves. Their chains become our chains. Some of us want nothing to do with anybody's chains. And like I said, when you break off and you feel like you're far enough to avoid those chains, we wind up isolated and not only far from the chains, but also far from the healthy roots that are meant to keep us strong. And so here's the other choice. You call on the chain breaker. And you call on the chain breaker in prayer, even if they're not yours. In prayer, because if we are all part of one body, his word says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. And so if we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, I don't want to suffer. God is a chain breaker, but he needs the church to see that our brothers and sisters' chains threaten our own root system. Those dealing with chains of addiction cannot fight them off alone. 
because the way God created his kingdom, the way he created the healthy church body was to depend one on the other, just like the redwood trees. His word says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And because chains of addiction bring shame, isolation, guilt, and secrecy, the root system suffocates. His word says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has power as it is working. There is healing in not only praying for each other, but confessing each other's sins to one another. Why? Because the enemy works through isolation, either because I think I'm holier than you, and so I won't confess my sins to you, but I'll pray for you as if you're the only one in this relationship that needs prayer. Or because I think I'm less holy than you, and so I don't confess my sins to someone I think hasn't touched sin. Either way, we are out of order with his word. Me doing for you through prayer does not have anything to do with me being holier and everything to do with me being so sinful that I need to be healed. God wants to break these chains not just for he or she who is tangled in them, but for all of us whose roots are attached to them. Here's what I'm going to say. I've seen people open these bottles for pastors so that he doesn't have to drop the mic to open the bottle. And my bottle is not open. That's all I'm going to say. That's what I get for talking. Please stand. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. If there is anyone here who has been through some things like I've been through some things, anyone who is going through some things like I'm going through some things, and wants to know the God that kept me walking through all of that and the God that still holds me today, if you want to give your life back to the God that was speaking into it since before you were born, raise your hands. Every eye closed. Every eye closed. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Pastor, if you're watching, lift it out of hands up to Jesus. And so with every hand raised, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I am yours. I was yours since before I was formed in my mother's womb. And I want to give you back what is yours. I want to give you back what the world took away from me. On this day, I give you my life. On this day, I pray that my mind and my body and my spirit be surrendered to you. Come into my heart, come into my life, so that I may never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Give him a round of applause for every life returned to its creator. And now I want to do something.
mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife, a son, or a daughter who has ever dealt with addiction, please come to the center of this altar. Thank you, Jesus. If you are staying at your seats, you need to be praying for freedom. Come up, fill in the center, fill in the center. Come together, fill in the center. There should be no space in the middle. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Move in. Come up. Move in. There's a lot of us. There's a lot of us. And the enemy says that you stand alone, but you don't stand alone. The enemy isolates you and fills you with shame as if you are the only one. You are not the only one. There is no shame in where you stand. Because where my story begins is also how my story ends. Because God uses it all for his glory. Now at this time, this is going to require some courage. Even if you're on the dream team, if this applies to you, I'm going to ask that you come up that you come up over here to the right. suffered and might still continue to suffer 
going to ask that you move and that you ask them for forgiveness. And I'm going to ask that you move and you hug them. And families over here, I don't know if your loved one is standing here today. But when these men who come to God, whose chains have fallen, come and ask for forgiveness, you need to forgive. You need to forgive them for how they changed your story, right? My story isn't pretty, but I need to forgive the people who made my story that way. And so I'm going to ask that in order to reach a place of healing, in order for chains to truly fall, that you forgive this morning, that you stand in the gap and symbolically forgive this morning so that you can be free. Brothers and sisters, if you can begin to build relationship with these hurting families in the center and ask them for forgiveness, and families, if you can forgive, and intercessors, move as the Holy Spirit moves you to pray over these families and pray over these individuals who may be dealing with addiction or who may have overcome their addiction in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen on. Have a blessed week.